Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics that are relevant to women today. We'd love to continue the conversation with you and support you on your life's journey. Just join us in our community. Search Facebook for The Inspired Women Community and request to join. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Hey guys, today I'm here with, with Michelle, and Michelle is a retired Air Force veteran, wife, mother, and grandmother. You don't even look old enough to be a grandmother, I gotta say that. When I was reading this, I was like, what? No way. Um, who understands we do our best whenever there's a need to fight, but how we fare in the fight depends on the right mindset, a clear strategy, and expectation to execute. Michelle learned the significance of fighting back early in life and realized the victory wasn't always in the winning, winning the fight, but instead was in the act of showing up ready with determination, confidence, and conviction. Her military experience helped her fine tune her mindset, identify the necessary resources, and prepare herself physically to show up in life's obstacles. Every woman wakes up to, with a choice to fight or flee. It's Michelle's mission to help women redefine their fight and and address the world in a way that makes sense to them. She understands that the battles that lay ahead aren't necessarily because someone is out to hurt us. She also knows that when we don't take action, we only hurt ourselves. The fight and fighter remains the same, but our orders and mission have changed. I love that. When I was reading that earlier, I'm reading it. I'm like, woo, yes, girl. Oh, so Michelle and I um, connected because we have a mutual friend who I was chatting with, um, Sharon, and I was just like, you know, I'm a military spouse. I'm looking to connect with more people that are military affiliated. She's like, well, I know somebody I'm going to connect you. And I, once I heard her story and we chatted, I'm like, I got to have you on the podcast because you have a unique story. So one, you grew up in the military and then joined the military. And now in a way you kind of work for the military <laughs> with the Department of Defense. <laughs> So it's been a nonstop military and you, um, if I'm not mistaken, you help, uh, women who are either transitioning out of the military or, or, and, or have already transitioned out of the military with your coaching. Am I correct? Yes, ma'am. I sure do. Yes. So I would love to just start from the beginning. What was it like growing up as a military child? My husband is a, a military brat, <laughs> a Navy brat, um, but I did not. So that is not something I experienced myself. And I'm sure a lot of women listening have not experienced that. So what was that like for you? It really was awesome. The most the greatest thing about it was the fact that we were overseas. I grew up uh, most of the time in the Philippines. So I did four years in the Philippines when I was in grade school. I did two years in Greece, you know, uh, middle school. And then I went back to the Philippines for uh, four years of high school. So for me, most of my life, actually until I was like 30 or so, most of my life had been lived overseas because even in the military, I went overseas and all of them, almost all of it has been in the Asia area. So it was great because I got to know the different cultures. And when you grow up in different cultures 
And even in the military culture, when you, you grow up with different races, different cultures, you don't see yourself as one particular type of person. It's just a bunch of people and all the kids just get along. If you don't like somebody, you don't like them because who they are or what race they are or what country they're from. You don't like them because you don't like them. You know, it's, it's uh, their personality or whatever. So I really love the difference of the cultures and learning different languages and different cultures. Oh, I love that. See my, um, my children, obviously my husband's in the military are growing up. Um, and my twins have never known anything but the military life. And actually my middle daughter too, cause she was about, uh, 18 months when I met my husband. Uh, so all three of my little ones have never known anything else. And like you said, they don't know the difference. Like they don't, when you're, you're asking them about their friends, so-and-so they're talking about, they don't, they don't tell you what color their friend is, or they don't have those like specific things. It's the one with the fluffy hair or that one that was wearing the pink dress. And I love that. And I, I think part of it is they're growing up in an area that is multicultural um, in the military, you have, it's a melting pot of people from all over the place, like all over the United States, people who have been to different parts of the world, people who have different beliefs, people who have different opinions. Sometimes that can be a little hard, but other times it's actually really interesting because it opens your mind to uh, different aspects of life that you didn't know about. I grew up in the small town of upstate New York. Like most of my life I spent there, like coming here was a culture shock for me. <laughs> so when I did, it was amazing. I love that you got that experience as well of, you know, seeing different cultures and meeting different people. Was your father in the air force as well? Yes. My father was in the air force. And you know, when you were talking, one of the things that uh, really stuck in my mind is I never, in, in, a, in a lot of aspects, never really dealt with the racism and stuff that so many people had to deal with uh, in the United States. So when they would talk about stuff, I couldn't, in those things, I really couldn't relate because we didn't deal with that. And then the other thing was um, when, we were, when we were overseas and, and you're learning different languages and, and different cultures, um, there were things like, I had different, uh, what's the word, pluses, uh, different things that I got to experience as far as we had a maid. But people that would be like, you had a maid? Well, yeah, if you're in the Philippines, you know, we're talking about someone that only gets paid $30 a month oh to be your goodness. living maid. So it's, it's totally different. But that was the culture there. And so I got to live in in that aspect of culture. And then the other thing was the type of music I learned. I grew up on um, Barbara Streisand, Engelbert Humperdinck, you know, things like that. Because when you're in a mixed culture, it's not one type of music, you know, it's, it's Dinah Ross, Aretha Franklin, Rolling Stones, you know, it, it's all that. And so you're never put inside a box. And I think that's a great way for a kid to grow up because they don't limit themselves because they don't know that there are limits. No, because there's not really limits in the military. I mean, think about it. There's, you could be, you just have to be in the United States, right? Or be like a citizen of the United States to join the United States military. Exactly. I, I mean, women can serve the military now. Like, 
it's amazing. Um, I mean, women have been able to serve in the military for a while, but now it's more prevalent. You're coming across more and more women who are serving. So I love the fact that you served in the military. That just inspires me so much because I feel like people have this stereotype in their head about women in the military, and I haven't met that stereotype yet. Like, <laughs> I haven't. The women I meet are inspirational, and they are strong, and courageous and beautiful. And I just, I love it. So what made you decide to join the military? Okay. Do you want the cookie cutter answer? Or you want no, the truth? I like the truth. This podcast <laughs> is all about the truth, man. Okay. To be, to be honest, yes. when we got back to the States, we came back to the United States because my grandmother was sick. And so my, my father did a humanitarian and spent his last few years in the military. Uh, we took care of my grandmother. So one year back in the States, and I'm like, I cannot live like this for the rest of my life. I cannot live here in the same city, in the same house for the rest of my life. I want to travel. So that was my number one. I wanted to travel. Now, actually, I was looking to go into the Navy because I'm from the Norfolk area. And yeah. I would go to the dried up club. And the guys would tell me about, oh, we went to Puerto Rico, we went here, and, we, and I was like, I want to go there. So I went into the Navy office first, and I asked, can I go on a ship? And they said, no, ma'am, women aren't allowed on the ships. I said, bye, and walked right out and walked into the Air Force. <laughs> This, I mean, I, you're obviously older than I think you are. <laughs> and I'm not even going to guesstimate your age. The fact that you said in your bio that you're a grandma, but oh my gosh. Because, oh, I mean, my husband's in the submarine fleet and just now they're introducing women into that. But I, I mean, as long as he's been in the Navy, they've allowed women on ships. So, Wow. Yeah. So, so that's why I went into the air force. And so the traveling was one, the two was my father had told me, um, just that recently, he says, we can't afford to pay for your college. So I knew, okay, if I go in the military, they will pay for my college. So if I want to go to college, they're going to pay for it. And then the third thing was, I always wanted to have watching my dad. I always wanted to have a retirement. I said, no matter what, I wanted to know that I could take care of myself to the end. So one of my goals was to have a retirement. Oh, did you serve the full 20 years? Actually, I had a blessing because <laughs> <laughs> what they did is there was one point. Okay. I'm going to tell you 1994. There was one point where they did the, um, the 15 year retirement because they had too many people in the military and they were trying to get people out. And so I actually retired at 17 and a half years and did not lose anything, but a certain percentage. It was like what it boiled down to. And I actually figured it out was a hundred dollars a month less. And I was like, for a hundred dollars, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel at that point in time you had seen and done everything you wanted to do with the military? No, to be honest, the reason for my decision was a mom decision. Uh, my daughter was in middle school. Um, at that time, they felt that she had um, ADHD. Uh, come to find out, she, had, she really was misdiagnosed. Um, but um, at that time, I needed to take care of her. 
She needed that one-on-one attention. And I actually got out to homeschool because the pain to remain the same was greater than the pain to change. And what, what I'm saying is coming home, I was actually in the Air Force band. And so at least once a month, we would go away on a trip. And, you know, going away was challenging. It, it was hard. And then coming back, it was challenging because my husband and my daughter both would go through changes on the leave and on the comeback. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's normal, but it's hard. Yeah. And so I finally said, you know what? She needs me here. She's getting in trouble in school. I need to take her out and take care of her. Yeah. And your husband was in the military as well. Am I correct? Very much so. Yes. I can't imagine what kind of struggles did you guys see as a dual military family? I think the hardest thing is when you sign that paper. If you really think about it, you're signing a paper to sign your child over. And if you're not near a relative, you're signing it to someone you hope you're placing your trust in the right person. And so that was hard for me, finding someone that I really felt would take care of my daughter and that if they had to get her to my mother or whoever else I assigned to it, that they would do that. And, and that was hard. One of the things I would do for my daughter when we, because I traveled a lot and mm-hmm. uh, I was the one that did the most of the traveling, is I would make a video because I sang, I would make a little cassette tape, okay, that's telling my age too. I would make. <laughs> You're I funny. Would make, you don't even, uh, people can't see you, Case, they're only listening to this audio, but yeah. like legit, she does not look old enough. You could be a grandma or a yes. surgeon in the military in 1994. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, um, we, I'd made a cassette tape. I would sing on it. Actually, the song I sung on it was Somewhere, you know, from, um, from Maria and uh, what's, what's the movie? The, uh, the Jets, the, the something in the Jets, West Side Story. Yes. So I would, I would, um, I sung that song for, and then I would say stuff to her, like something encouraging or something. And so when I was gone, she would play that at night. So she'd have oh. a piece of mommy with her. Now we have live and video and all that. <laughs> well, some people in the military have that. Other people, not so much. <laughs> right, right. So. There's still limits out there <laughs> for some people. I know, like, I have a lot of, I'll see a lot of my friends, like, I just got to talk on Facebook Messenger to my husband today and their husband's deployed. I'm like, that must be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It depends on where they are. And, and what they're doing, like submarines, you just don't, that's not even like a... That's not, not even, an option. Not but the an thing option. is, you know what, if you think about things like this as this is for their safety and, yes. and to protect them, you know, it makes it so much easier. It really does. And when I'm trying to explain it to family members who have no idea what I, I mean, sometimes I'm just like, I've told you this 20,000 times. I cannot tell you when he's coming home. No, I cannot call him. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's what was great about my father had that type of job too. Mm. So he was one of those people who, when they came home, they could not talk about their job. Mm-hmm. So I never even, I think one time we got to go visit his building and all I know is the building with no windows. 
Wow. Yeah. So I, I, to this day, I don't know what he did. I don't ask. And, and we knew we couldn't ask. So growing up like that, I kind of understood that side of the military. Yeah. So I'm sure that made you a little more thankful that you were at least allowed to discuss with your family what was going on with you. Yes, most definitely. Yes. But of course, I mean, you know, as somebody who grew up in the military, how difficult it can be. I mean, as much as it's fantastic because there are such crazy opportunities to see different worlds and see different things that we never would have seen, like, you know, being in a small town in upstate New York, um, but there's still limits. I mean, there's still limits and, and military life can be hard and you grew up in military life. So um, did the fact that you knew how difficult it could be on a child play into the fact of you getting out as well? Um, I think I had a plus that a lot of people don't have. And that's the fact that I grew up in it. Mm -hmm. So to be honest, it wasn't hard because I knew what to expect. And I talked to my daughter now and she still loves it because she grew up overseas too. So I think that when you get to get away from your culture and experience other cultures, I think it has a different effect on a, on a child and they, they understand kind of their place in the world and how big the world is. Um, so I always tell my daughter, you know, it's not the world according to Janetta, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it also has to do with your values and how you raise mm-hmm. your child too. So. Yes. I have a friend who literally, it, when she is getting ready to move overseas with her husband, who is in the Navy, she was having a hard time. She's like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm going to really miss everybody, but they have now been stationed overseas for like, I want to say like five or six years. They've chosen another station overseas because they love it so much. <laughs> and, and, and here's where I see the mistake. There are two kind of people that go overseas. Usually there's that person, there's either that person who embraced the culture find things to do, do everything they can, or there's that person that does not go off the base, only talk to Americans, only do things with Americans. And we have always been, uh, and that's because of the way my grand, my mother uh, taught me, is we have always immersed ourselves in the culture to the fact where we'd go out to the marketplace and be among people and don't know the language at all. And people appreciate that if you're just there learning, if you're just there and you make the effort to, to get to know them and try to talk to them and stuff like that. So I still have friends that I keep in touch with from Japan, from the Philippines. You know, my mom still has friends from the Philippines. Yeah. My husband has said the same thing about when he goes overseas, that majority of cultures really appreciate if you're trying not Mm -hmm. that you're just being like ignorant and you're like I speak English you should speak English too but if you're actually trying to understand and trying to communicate and trying to immerse yourself in the culture even when you're like on a deployment you're only there for maybe like a couple days or a couple weeks he said they really do appreciate that and a lot of cultures they will go out of their way to help you understand what they're trying to say and the different things. Um, He said it was a lot of fun because you got to learn new things and new words and experience things you never would. And he's like, you go into a restaurant, you didn't know what the the menu would say, so just point at something and hope it was good. (laughs) But the key is, the key to that is curiosity. Mm -hmm. If they know there's genuine curiosity, they will share 
anything with you. They want you to understand their culture. They want you to learn. My favorite phrase in Jap Japanese is "kohi onegaishimasu," which means "coffee, please." <laughs> <So> <laughs> you learn the things you need to know. Oh my god, I love that. That is so awesome. Do you still get to travel nowadays or is your travel more limited? My travel is more limited. I do miss it. In fact, my husband and I are still talking. We're like, we'll go back over Okinawa. But we have a wonderful country here. So what we do is we travel here. Mm -hmm. There are so many places in the U.S. Yeah. of A. that you have never experienced. There are so many people that you just little areas. Have you ever gone into... Um, Oh, what's that? The, the people with the horses, the, um, equestrians. No, no, not those kind of horses with the buggies and the horses. I'm, my, oh, my brain. Yeah. They Amish. have up where I'm from. Yeah. Have you ever gone into an Amish community yeah. and just talk to them and ask, well, why don't you do this? What is, what do you, what is your policy on this? And ask, and you're, that wonder makes you go, oh, wow, you know. They're and amazing. Yes. So there's the Amish, and then you go to Pennsylvania, there's the Quaker, and there's the, you know, there's the different communities. There's the American Indians. You go out to Arizona, New Mexico area, and you start talking to them. You go to um, Alaska, and you talk to the Eskimos, and there's still a Buku amount. <laughs> I had someone say that on Facebook. Make a <laughs> sentence with Buku. But there are still a lot of cultures right here. Mm -hmm. Even next door, there's somebody, there could be someone Italian or uh, where we live, there was a guy from Pakistan. And, and yeah. a lot of times you don't know. Yes, you don't ask a person who's from Pakistan, are there Indian? There's difference like that. And, and the difference yeah. in the culture and, and an Indian from the north is different from an Indian from the south and American Indian Sioux is different from American Indian Blackfoot. And so there's so much out there. There really is. And I think it's often overlooked because, you know, it, I'll see some military spouses who are like cry and whine about like the place that they got stationed. It wasn't where they wanted to get stationed. And this is so boring, but it doesn't matter where you get stationed. There's always something new to experience and to learn. If you just allow yourself to get out of that bubble and go experience it. Like when I first moved down here to Virginia, I was overwhelmed. Okay. I'm a country girl <laughs> and you move me to like a city that is attached to other cities that like they're bigger than my entire county, like population wise. Okay? <laughs> like, it was overwhelming. But once I got settled and I started going out and I started, I mean, people pay to come vacation where I live. I mean, people pay money and come vacation where I live and I can go and experience it anytime I want. And there's so much to experience. Like I have a friend right now, she recently moved here from San Diego and she has a few friends from overseas visiting her and they're going and doing all these things. And I'm like, I have lived here like, six and a half years and I have not done some of that stuff. Like exactly. So that's a lot of times we don't experience our own backyard. I was an Uber virgin until one of my friends came here and took me on my first Uber ride. Yay, Uber. <laughs> Shout out to Uber. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. And like, and you, you know, and I feel like 
no matter where you live, there's always something new popping up that you can experience. Even if you think you've experienced everything there is to experience, there's something new all the time popping up. Exactly. And one of the things I always watch, you know, Guy from uh, Diner Dives and Drive-Ins. Yeah, he's got a couple that? here. <laughs> yes. He's, and that's what I'm saying. I go, now there's a restaurant, there's a, a ramen restaurant downtown DC that I am determined I am going to try this restaurant out. And then when I was down in Southern Virginia, there was a restaurant I went to that he had talked about. So even small things like that, try different restaurants. Uh, go to a country, if you've never been to a county fair, go so to fun. a county fair. Go to one of those little on the side of the road um, little fairs or whatever. Go to farmer's market. Oh my gosh, if you want to get to know the people, go to farmer's mar market. They have amazing things. There's farmer's markets all over around here. And there are such amazing things that people come with. And you're not just talking about like fruits and vegetables. Um, you're talking about like actual like handmade goods that are just, you're like, somebody made this? Like, this is beautiful. Like, it's just mind blowing that people are so talented to be able to do those things. Exactly. I love this conversation. Um, but to track back, um, why did you decide after, so you got out of the military and you were a stay at home mom for a couple years, three years, three about years, two, two and a half. I was like, I got to find a job. Oh girl. I feel you. I got to find something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. When I was a stay at home mom, I was like, I am literally, this is, this is my living hell. Like I cannot handle this. Like I, I was about the same year and a half, two years in. I was like, oh no, somebody please save me. And it was still a couple years down the road before I started my first business. And, you know, now I'm like that fun, like in between, I'm still a stay at home mom, but I'm also running a business. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm doing this. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I want to give a shout out, a big shout out to the women who stay home and take yes. care of their children. I'm telling they are you, amazing. it's a special type of woman I that agree. can do that. <laughs> It is not me. <laughs> not me either, but I agree. It does. I've done all the things. I've been a working mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom. I have, I'm a work-from-home mom. And I'll tell you, the stay-at-home moms, I give them full, like, and, and the ones I meet that actually, like, love to be at home with their kids. And I'm like, you are amazing. Like, you don't know how amazing you are because I couldn't do what you're doing and love it the way you love it. Um, I completely understand. So what made you decide to go back into working with like the mil military in a way, cause you're working for the department of defense. What made you decide to go there? Okay. We'll be honest again, security. <laughs> <laughs> I like the honesty. I, I always pride myself that this is not a sugar coated podcast. No, I, and that's what it was. It, it was like, People say, okay, you get in a government job, they can't, they, they practically cannot fire you. You have to um, really mess up. It's kind of like in the military. You really right. have to mess up for them to kick you out. <laughs> and I, I don't think I went back, if I think, if I remember correctly, I didn't really go into a DOD job until I was overseas. And really that, at that point, that really is pretty much the only option that you have. Okay. Um, Sometimes you can find stuff off base, but 
when you're when you're overseas. So I think that's why I went back. I wanted I didn't want to just hang around. I wanted to contribute. And uh, my daughter was in school, so I went looking for a job. I just went and applied for a job. And uh, you know, because we get that uh, military spouse placement yeah. when you're overseas. So I did that, and I got a job. And I. I did pick something that I like. I always look for things that I had a knack for yeah. and I would do those types of things. I love that. And it's, I love it that you're just like, Oh yeah, it was security. Cause it really is. And you gotta, you gotta think like, especially somebody who works, I mean, you worked for 15 years or in the military for 15 years and having to like, then you were a stay at home mom for a couple years. That had to have been excruciating. I know it was for me, and I wasn't working 15 years before I became a stay-at-home mom. I was only working like five. <laughs> well, their homeschooling was different. I, I, you, can, you can talk to my daughter, and I actually homeschool my daughter and my nephew. Yeah. And they will tell you that, I mean, we did things like I had um, a financial program for them, so they learned mm-hmm. how to have their own banking account. And they that had in every school, <laughs> right? I was the banker and they had to come to the teller and they wrote checks and stuff like that. So they learned about that part of life. Um, every, I think once a week we did musicals. They had to watch a musical. We would go oh, and rent it from fun. the library because I think that's something that's lost in today's culture. Mm-hmm. So my daughter now, she can tell you uh, her favorite musical is uh, the one with Clang, Clang, Clang goes the trolley. Um, oh, oh, gosh. Meet me in St. Louis. Yes. Meet me in St. Louis. So <laughs> that is her favorite. You know, she knows that and West Side Story. So those are things that um, she would have never experienced in school. Yeah. And then we would have school projects where one of the most ingenious things I think that her and her cousin did is they took a box, they cut it open and they act like they were doing a TV show because they had to do like a report and they did it from the back of the box, like a TV show, you know? So it's, it's things like that, that they don't get in school. So I think, and then one o'clock school was out. We were in Arizona. We had a pool in the backyard. So where do you think the kids went? Yes. I would go there too. Oh, that's awesome. You were, you definitely took it above and beyond what most people do. And growing up, my mom used to watch musicals all the time. So like, I'm definitely used to that. That's why I'm like, Oh, I know that one. And I know that one. Um, her favorite was the sound of music or still is, I should say. Um, she actually, when she was in the hospital, um, with her medical problems, she met, one of the wives to one of the children, original Von Trapp children. No. Oh, wow. Yes. Not the ones in the movie, like, you right. know, but the original Von Trapp children. Right, right. Yeah, she had, like, she has, like, a thing signed by her and all sorts of kind of stuff because wow. they ended up moving to Vermont um, be- after they escaped and everything. So, yeah, wow. I know. It was so, so like, used to musicals. I was like, yay, musicals. <laughs> My favorite is Wicked, okay? I oh, saw okay. But that's newer. Yeah, I saw it on Broadway in New York mm-hmm. City uh, when okay. I was there as a teenager. So, yeah, it was oh, it's amazing. Wicked is amazing. And see, um, one of my favorite is South Pacific. And not, that, one, that one is South Pacific. And oh, wait, my really favorite is Pajama Game. And most people oh. have not seen that one. And Carol Burnett is in that one. So you yeah. can imagine how hilarious it is. Oh, my gosh. That sounds amazing. So now <laughs> we're, we're, like, we're in the last little bit of our podcast time. 
now you, so you have gone from being a military child to being part of the military, having a little stint as, as a stay-at-home mom, then going into the Department of Depe- Defense. And recently you started something pretty awesome, which we started, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. You now coach women who are in the military getting t- ready to transition out or who have already trans- transitioned out of the military. Can you share with us a little bit more about why did you start that? What inspired you? What's going on? We want to know all about it. <laughs> it was my closet. It was your closet? I came out of the closet. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, really. Um, you know, I, I always tell people I retired three times over. I retired when my father got out because I was, I was home for a year without the military then I retired when I retired because I no longer worked for the military. And then I retired when my husband retired. That was the hardest one because when he retired, we totally moved back to, to the United States. We were in Delaware. Um, I had no family around. It was all of his family. And, um, and I love his family, but it was just that, it was a culture shock. And that's what I went through. And so when I first got back to the States, I felt um, like I was in a culture I didn't know because I had lived most of my life overseas. And where did we just come from? Japan. And we have been in Japan for six years. So again, I had to indoctrinate myself back in the, in the United States. And so it's like, well, they don't do things the same way and I can't ask for this anymore. And so I had to relearn where I was and it was really hard because I was depending on other people to tell me what to do. So in that, I kind of lost my identity because people were telling me what to wear, uh, what job to get, uh, what house to buy, um, even what food to eat. So I had totally lost my identity And one day I was standing in my closet and I started looking around and I thought, I don't know this person. This is not me. And, 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 and I was like, that's it. I have to stop. And I got rid of all my clothes. And I says, from now on, I'm only going to get things that I like that represent who I am. I started stop letting everyone telling me what to do. And because I went through that, I don't want anyone else to have to feel like that, to feel less than and feel lost like that. And so that's why I do what I do. I, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. And I think a lot of people in the military, when they transition out, especially if they've spent majority of their adult life in the military, you know, it's going to be hard. Like my, my husband right now says to me, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Like, I'm like, dude, you, you need to figure this out very soon no. <laughs> because you're going to have to grow up and get out of the military, you know, like at some point in time, um, they're not going to let you stay forever. <laughs> it's just so you know. Um, but he doesn't know because that's like you, he was a military child. Like he grew up in the military. His dad didn't retire until I want to say my husband was in his late teens. He was getting ready to, to graduate high school. So almost his entire life, he mm-hmm. was, you know, around, he's the oldest child. So he really was around most of his dad's military career. 
And then he went into the military a couple years later. That has been his entire life. And actually he's told me before, like one of the reasons he went into the military is like, why not? Like, this is something I know, like this is familiar to me. Well, now he's got to transition out. (laughs) Right. But that's, that's the whole thing is, um, you're used to a certain thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, they take care of the family. Mm -hmm. There's a place to go get food. There's a place to go to get doctors, everything, doing a checkup. You know, I knew every year I had to do a checkup. If I didn't go, they sent me a little letter or email saying, it's time for your checkup. (laughs) I just got one of those. (laughs) Yeah. See, so everything is, is laid out for you. You are pampered. You know, a lot of people think they aren't, but, and then for me, um, I was kind of riding on my husband's coattail too, because he had a pretty, pretty high position. He was in a good position. So I was his wife, you know, so that, that felt good. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm I'm being straight up. It felt good going to these parties and doing this. It could be really fun. (laughs) Yeah. So then you go back home and it's like, nobody cares who you are. And you're nobody. <laughs> so nobody wants to celebrate what yeah. you're doing because so, nobody cares. cares. So, <laughs> so and and we do go through that when you're you know that if something happens with your husband, if something happens with your kids, you know where to take them. And then sometimes when you move away, not only do you move away from a, a military, the military, but you move away from a base. So you still can't go. You now you're really far away. And it's like, well, how do I find a doctor? How do I know it's a good doctor? How do I, you know, all those things we go through and there is a thought process to there. And as a way to make it, um, I want, I don't want to say more pleasant, but easier to deal with. Yeah. It was hard transitioning from being around my family to not being around my family. And then now I couldn't imagine not being around my military family around the military community and knowing that like these people understand and I can talk to them. What happens when I become like when my husband becomes a civilian and then, wow. Um, So part of me has been building up like I've, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I've been building up my business. So I'm also getting to know people that aren't military affiliated as well. So that I will still have an identity. Right, right. <laughs> and that, military. And that's what my research has, has, and, and I, I do have a broader scope of clients because I understand that it's those that are transitioning, but it's only those that are that are transitioning from something that they've been in for a while, like motherhood, when you've been a mother and then you're transitioning into a career or something or empty nests and all your kids are going, or that you're a military wife and you've been his wife for 20 years and all of a sudden he's retiring or you're, I mean, all these transitions that you've been married forever and you're, you're a widow now or all these things that, um, we've been in for a long time, even uh, posi- uh, professions like uh, policemen, firemen, uh, nurses, your whole identity becomes affiliated with what you do and not who you are. And you have to learn, relearn you. So you would say that you are a transitional coach. Yes, ma'am. And you help, uh, help women or men too? Women. 
women. women. I only work with women too. There's, I, just can't get, <laughs> I just can't get them. Um, but you help women transition when they have had an identity of some kind of an, or another. And now they're transitioning to another identity exactly. that is uh, career related or personal related or anything like that. And the great thing, and, and I've had people ask me, why do you feature other coaches on your podcast? I'm like, because I can't do all of the things. And <laughs> I am only one person. And I, uh, there are areas in, in life that people are more capable or maybe that they drive with you, but I don't help with the transition. Like that's right. not something that I do. That's not my forte. Um, so I'm glad, so happy that you came on. Um, and now that we're getting to the end of the podcast, what is one thing that you would like to leave my audience with um, about transition? I mean, about transitioning. Like maybe it's a, a a bit of advice you could leave them, or you know, a, a story or something, so they they kind of understand. I'd like to share my philosophy or why it came about. Um, I always talk about being the ultimate fierce fighter for women who are transitioning. And the reason behind that is the legacy I feel that my mother left me. When I was young, there were, uh, I think it was two or three girls that wanted to, to beat me up. And so I went running home being the great kid that I was because I knew mom had my back. And she was standing in the door and she goes, what is your problem? And I was with the girls want to beat me up. And she goes, I don't care what you do. She had her hands on her hip in the screen door. She says, I don't care what you do. You get a brick, you get a stick, but you get something, but you get your tail back out there and fight or I will beat your tail myself. And, you know, to this day, I don't know if I won the fight or if I lost it. <laughs> But I did come back home happy and crying. And then my mom's like, what is wrong with you? But anyway, um, the thing that she taught me, though, is that we use the resources that are available for us to get back in the fight. Is that we go ahead and we take what we already have, what we find, and we get back in there. And it doesn't matter if we win or if we lose is that we get back in the fight. Oh, and that's, that's your whole philosophy around what you're doing right now is, you know, it's all related in your bio. You talk about it. You talk about teaching women to fight in a way, but it's more like fighting for their life. Like exactly. It's, it's a lot of people think fighting is negative and one of and my program is take it to the mat. And the reason behind that is every fighter that, you know, it's, there is a mat in boxing. There's a mat in wrestling. There's a mat in karate or martial arts. There's a mat and the mat is where it happens, where you hash things out. And so all I'm asking you to do is let's get together, get in the ring together and figure this out together. There is a progress, I mean process, there is a strategy. So all we've got to do is get in there and create it and get moving. That's amazing. And I'm going to link up all of your links and everything you sent me on inspiredwomenpodcast.com in the show notes. So everybody that wants to get a hold of you and connect with you, they can do that. Um, because maybe they heard something in your story and they're like, I need her help. 
or maybe they just find you really inspirational and they want more of you in their lives. I tell people like, you want more Megan in your life? This is how you can get it. Um, because your story was something that inspired me. And that's why I asked you to come on the podcast and share it. And thank you so much for being in the podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on with me. Oh, it was such a pleasure. I really like talking to you anyway, whether we're on the podcast or off. <laughs> I like talking to you too. <laughs> I always love it when I'm smiling and laughing throughout the whole interview. And I'm like, this is a good interview. And, and now I can feel good about like leaving the interview and and going and spending time with my spouse and be like, I feel good. I can go to bed feeling good tonight. So thank you for that. Yes. And take care of that man, lady. Oh, oh, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspire Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.